You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our senior pastor, Jeremy Havlin. Scripture teaches us, says these words, it says, be still and know that I am God. Today's a, a, different, a different from a regular Sunday morning. We're gonna get a chance to just kind of pause our schedules and to remember what the Lord has done for us and to celebrate communion together, the Lord's Supper. And we're gonna do that towards the end of this message and then we're gonna have the worship team come back up. But I just wanna highlight those words, be still and know. Being still is not an easy thing for most of us in this room. Some of us who are more ADHD, pointing at myself, it's even harder. But as a, as a people, most of us in this room, this posture of just allowing ourselves to be present in the moment, it almost goes against everything sometimes that we can feel. It can even feel awkward at times. And so I don't know how you came to church. I don't know what you brought with you to church. My prayer for you is that in this next little window of time that you could be present that you could be still. I find that most of us are either trying to get out of something we don't wanna be in. That's where our mind goes, that's where our heart is. God, help me to get out of this. Get me out of this, get me out of this. Or we're trying to get into something that we really want. Oh man, I hope to do this, I hope to do this. And sometimes it's a combination of both. I wanna get out of this so I can get into this thing. I do hope, again, in this window of time that we have that you can pause, take a deep breath, and be present. It might be that in your trying to get out of something or trying to get into something that you might miss a God who is still, who's present, and who cares about the things that weigh you down. And if you can allow yourself to be here right now, not in a hurry, then maybe, just maybe, God might wanna do something for you or in you or through you this morning. When I was, uh, gosh, I think I was eight years old, my parents, we were living in Peru, South America, and the staff, by the way, it's a big joke in the staff that I never grew up in South America. I was actually born in like, you know, Memorial Hospital downtown, but I lived in a lot of places. And Peru was one of the countries we lived in. And in the country of Peru, we lived in two cities. We lived in the capital city of Lima, which is massive, and then, when I was like six and a half, seven years old, we moved to the Amazon jungle in a city called Iquitos. And my dad would plant churches and then he would raise up a local national to, to take over the church and then he would go to another city and plant another church. And so we were living in the, the Amazon jungle. It's a city called Iquitos and it's a city you can only get to by boat or plane. And it is miserably hot. And there's, I mean, it just, it's hot and then it rains. And, and there's different kinds of heat, by the way. There's the dry heat, which we can navigate through. Listen, I'm good with dry heat all day long. It's the humid heat, the, the, the Miami heat. If you've ever gotten off a plane in Miami, you're like, it's like a wet blanket. That's what the jungle's like. And it will absolutely ruin all your stuff too. I mean, it just mold everywhere. And so moved there when I was like seven years old. Now to me as a seven-year-old boy, I'm like, this is an adventure of a lifetime. We're living in a city that's on the Amazon. You can only get to the city by boat or plane. 
and you, we would go in and visit the native Indians. I mean, it was incredible. And we would, my dad would do conferences and preach the gospel. My dad planted a church in that city. And in fact, the church that my dad started in, a building that he got to launch the church, is where this story comes from. Because in the backyard of this church, or in the backgrounds of this church, there was a giant tree. And I was seven, eight years old. And this is like, by the way, those who grew up in a different generation, you guys remember when your parents just said, go outside for a couple of hours and they had no idea where you were? Anyone remember that time? Yeah, all right. It's not like that today. But back in the day you grew up, your parents were like, you're causing a fuss in the house. Go outside and don't come back until you're exhausted and dirty. I don't want to know where you were or what you did. And so the church building that my parents had was actually just a couple, it was real close to the house that we lived in. And so I would leave and just go and play and play and play and play. And so I find myself in the, in the church that my dad had. And in the back, there was a tree that went up. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, I saw a ton of parrots just flying overhead. I mean, just incredible. And a group of parrots landed on the tree that was back uh, where, my, where my parents, where my dad's church was. And I thought to myself, I'm nimble, I can do this. I wonder if I can catch a parrot. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Now, I know you look at me now, you're like, Pastor, you could absolutely do it. You are so incredibly nimble looking. I'm telling you, I was actually very wiry and very athletic. And so I, I said, Challenge accepted. And I saw a parrot that was up there. And so I started climbing the limbs. No one was with me, by the way. I was by myself. I started climbing. And it was like this incredible experience. It's like the parrot the closer I got, didn't fly away. And I got closer and for some reason didn't fly away and I actually reached out and I grabbed the parrot and I'm like, this is now my new pet. My parents are gonna be overjoyed at what I've done. I climb down the tree, I run home, I bust through my parents' door and I'm like, look, look mom, our new pet. My mom's like, absolutely not. I was like, we can keep them. We can give them a name. I don't even know if it's a he or she. It's just a parrot. And the parrot at this point is like, yeah, no, this is not good for me either. So go back out and release them into the wild and just kind of flew away. But in the jungle, they have all of these creatures, all these animals, and they have these birds, these parrots, which I'm sure you've seen before. And, and, and parrots can vary in size and they can be absolutely beautiful and majestic and having held one in my hands and I tried to keep one as a pet. <laughs> and it's actually, I bet there's probably parts of this story that my mom will tell better, which uh, she's in uh, Nicaragua right now. But um, yeah, just incredibly beautiful. Let me, let me show you a kind of parrot. It's one that you've seen before maybe. It's called the macaw. And they can be absolutely massive and they're beautiful. And my wife and I just got back from a, a family vacation to Disney and uh, like a trillion dollars. And so anyway, and like lines everywhere. There's a line everywhere at Disney. And actually at Disney, if you ever go to Disney, there's a line that when you think you get to the front, it's not the front, it's actually to a, the back of another line. They're like, anyway, okay, sorry. Really. At Disney Animal Kingdom, they have this show where they release a bunch of macaws into the wild, or into the wild, into the air, and they fly around, and it's absolutely majestic. And they're beautiful creatures, beautiful animals. I'm gonna tell you some things about, and this is a kind of parrot. Here's something interesting about them. They can live long lives. In the wild, macaws can live 60 years. If you're in the right conditions, macaws can actually live to 100 years old. They've seen a lot. And they're beautiful, beautiful creatures. They can fly up to 15 miles searching. They are the most brightly colored bird. They are uh, beautiful. Their beaks are so strong that they can actually crack through coconut 
if you've ever tried to crack through coconut, you know what a feat that is. I mean, it's, it's pretty incredible. And here's something else about macaws. Once macaws find their mate, they actually are together for life. They actually raise their kids together. They actually groom each other. And they, they're just together forever. And often when mates find themselves together, they actually end up flying together. They fly so close together, it looks almost as if they're holding hands. But they're absolutely incredible creatures. Let me show you a picture of one of them flying. And so, just beautiful. And McCall's just simply, simply stunning. God created this out of speaking it into existence. There's something else too I wanna, I wanna show you. Something it's, I got a chance to go to Israel back in 2018 and in Israel, I actually went there in February. There's a flower in Israel. It's called the crown anemone. And I'll show you a picture of what it looks like. It's a beautiful flower. It's this. And I've recently become a flower person in my life. Now my wife and I will tell you that we kill anything we try to grow. Some of you have green thumbs. We kill anything. And so, but we're trying to plant flowers. In fact, this week we tried to plant rose bushes, painted them because I find them to be beautiful. But here's the crown anemone. And in Israel, the crown anemone, it's a wildflower. And in between December to late February, it's when these things can spring and sprout up and they're absolutely beautiful. And anyway, I find it to be beautiful. And if you get a heavy rain when you're in Israel, what you'll see is a field turn incredibly bright and colorful and they come from all different colors. I'll show you a picture. This is of a field. Now the crown anemones, they can be purple, they can be blue, they can be white, they can be red. They're absolutely spectacular. And the reason I told you about the, the macaw and the crown anemone is because Jesus asked this question. And it's actually a question that's been ringing in my ears all week. And it's a simple question, and yet it's actually a profound question. It's simply this. He asked this question. Are you not much more valuable than they? I'm gonna ask you if you can to turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter six to a passage of scripture that I preached like three weeks ago. I wrestled with the Lord this week. I'm like, Lord, I preached this passage of scripture recently and I just felt the Lord impress on my heart. By the way, do you know why the word is the living word? Because you can read it once, get one thing, you can go back and read it again and get something completely different. That's why it's the living word. And it can speak to you where you are in the moment that you're in. God is amazing like that. You could literally look at a verse your entire life and not see something, and then one moment with God, you're reading that same verse and it hits you like lightning. You're like, wow, that's amazing. And there's something in this passage of scripture that has impacted me this last week, and I wanna share it with you, and it's gonna allow us to hopefully be still where God wants us to be. But Jesus asked this question. He goes, are you not much more valuable than they? Are you not much more valuable than they? In Matthew 6, starting in verse 25, Jesus is teaching, and he's telling us how to live life. He says this, therefore, in verse 25, and I'm reading from the NIV, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Can we pause there and just say that all of us worry about our life? It is almost impossible not to worry about our life. So Jesus is automatically going against the grain in how we think and process information. He says, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? 
Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field, they do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much, how will, uh, <clears throat> will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things. <clears throat> run after all these things and your heavenly father knows what you need, uh, knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom, verse 33, and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And that question kept ringing in my ears this week. Are you not much more? And that phrase, much more. Are you not much more valuable than they? And I showed you a picture of a macaw. I showed you a picture of a crown anemone. And I'm telling you that God created these things. He spoke them into existence. But we live in a world full of things that are created by him. And I love this contrast of what God is telling us. He's saying, listen, if you want to experience the depth of life, look at the birds and look at the flower. They, they don't store, they don't plan, they don't do anything, they just are. And when they are in this place of being, if God did this for them, how much more would he wanna do for you? And, and here's the question that we have in our hearts. God, do you not care about my life? God, do you not see what's going on? And Jesus' response to that is this. Look at the flowers and look at the birds. Pause for a moment. Don't be in such a hurry. Don't always try and get into something new or get out of something you don't wanna be in, but look around you and look at what I have done. Have I not done much more for you than I've done for them? And you think about what he's done for them and how he's made them and how he's weaved them together. I mean, the crown anemone is absolutely beautiful and yet Jesus looks at you and he looks at me and he says, are you not much more valuable than them? And I believe in my heart that one of the things the enemy has done is he's stolen the much more peace that we would discard the fact that we are much more valuable. That if that's how God can create a flower that's a wildflower that is here one day and then gone the next, do you not think that God cares about your marriage? Do you not think that God cares about your finances? Do you not think that God cares about your job? Do you not think that God cares about your health? See, this is where the enemy comes into our life and the enemy wants to tell us, yeah, God's busy with those other people who are so much more righteous. God is so busy with the other, the spiritual ones, and yet when we look at our life, we wonder, God, do you not see? Do you not know? Do you not care? And Jesus looks at us and says, are you not much more valuable than they? So what's the, what's the dis disconnect? I wanna share with you something I put the Lord share with me this last week and I was looking at this because how we think about things affects how we live. What we truly believe about things impacts how we behave. And if we really don't believe that God loves us much more than they, then we're not gonna live as if God actually's given us things worth living for. But if we really come to believe that we are much more valuable than the birds of the air and the grass of the field, 
maybe the peace that eludes us would change us. We live in a world of anxiety, of fear, of uncertainty, and of ifs. And in this world of all these things, Jesus comes and he says, look at the birds and look at the flowers. You, you are much more valuable. Much more. Two very simple thoughts as this leads us into communion. Ready? Here's the first simple thought. If we learn to obey the life that God has given us, he will look after all the other things. I want you to think about this for a second. Do you know that you can't busy your way into God? You can't distract your way into God? By the way, you know when you experience very hard moments of life, you're like, man, when I was in that moment, God was really close. Do you know why that is? It's because when you experience a really hard moment, you, what you actually do is you cry out to God. That's why. You know you can cry out to God when things are good, just like when they're bad. And so this idea, this, this concept is that you can't have intimacy with God without intentionality. And what Jesus is teaching us, what he's telling us is this, is look at the birds and look at the flowers. And here's a concept, and this, this is what hit me this last week, ready? I know this is gonna seem so simple and yet it's so profound. One of the reasons why we're so missing the things that God has for us is because we're in such a hurry to get out of what we don't wanna be in or we're in such a hurry to get into something we wanna be in. And if you look at the birds, the birds are where God placed them and the flowers are where God placed them. Let me show you a picture of a flower, the, the, the crown anemone. The flower grows where it's planted. The flower uproots where it's planted. So one of the reasons why the enemy is always trying to get you out of the thing you don't think you wanna be in or into something that you wanna be in is so that you'll never stop to be still in the moment to see that God is good. And the reason why you're always worrying is because you are trying to get out of what you don't wanna be in or into something you wanna be in, but you don't stop to realize that God is good. Jesus declares, if you will look to me and live for me and be who I want you to be in the moment and present, all these other things are actually gonna be taken care of. It's a different way of thinking and it's a different way of living. But the only way that you're actually gonna do that is if you really believe that God loves you much more than they. Let me, let me, let me, let me tell you what happens. Oftentimes God plants us in places and in times and in situations. And you know what happens? We refuse to grow. And when we refuse to grow, when we refuse, we refuse to allow God's work in our life, when we refuse to allow God's spirit to move in us or to speak to us, when we refuse to allow his word to change the way we think or how we live, when we refuse to grow, do you know what happens? We don't bear roots in the ground. And when we don't bear roots, no wonder we're tossed from the left and to the right. And Jesus says, listen, if you obey if you, listen, don't worry about what you're gonna eat or what you're gonna drink or where you're gonna live or what you're gonna wear. All of these things, listen, they matter to everybody else, but I'm telling you, if you look to me and obey my life, there's a reason why you don't see macaw birds flying around South Carolina. And there, I'm sure there's some as, as pets and houses, but do you know why? Because they weren't made for this climate. They were made for the jungle. That's where they were made. And do you know what? They don't come up here because that's not where God had them to be. They're made for being down there. So many times the reason we don't experience peace is because we want to place ourselves in a place that God didn't want us to be. No wonder we don't experience peace. No wonder we don't bear roots in the ground. No wonder we don't stand firm. No wonder when the wind comes and the waves come and the rains come, we get tossed left and right. 
It's because we're always trying to get out of something that we don't think we want to be in or into something that we want to be in, and we don't stop for two seconds to realize maybe God is present in the moment, and we are exactly where God wants us to be. And if, 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 if we obey God and we look to him, all of these other things, Jesus says, all of these other things, all of them, everything you were weighed down by, he says, Everything that you are unsure how to overcome, he says. Everything you are uncertain about, he says. I, Jesus says, will take care of all of them. Look at the birds of the air. They are where I place them. Look at the flowers in the field. They are growing where they're planted. If you will allow me and look at me and obey me, all these other things are gonna take care of themselves. Be still and know that I am God. And there's another piece to this though, ready? Jesus says it very clearly, he says this, and it's real simple, and yet it goes contrary to how, honestly, most of us are. He says this, don't worry about your life. It's easier, it's easier said than done. But Jesus says if you can turn your attention and the things that capture your mind over, be careful about one thing only, your relationship with Jesus. One of the reasons why I love Communion Sunday is because we can pause in the midst of everything that we got going on and we can turn and we can ask the question, how am I with Jesus? And I pray that before you leave church today, you could answer that question, how am I with Jesus? Because Jesus says this, look at the birds of the air, look at the flowers. How do we know that he loves us much more? But we have the benefit of being able to look back and to see what he's already done, which is he has died on the cross for us. He has forgiven us. And that exchange, think about the exchange that God did. Growing up, living in a lot of countries, one of the things you had to do is you had to take a currency and you had to go to the exchange place and you had to hand in dollar bills to get the local currency in the, in the place that you were in. I've been to so many exchange places. Who's ever exchanged money? Anybody? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. And what's interesting is that in the country of Nicaragua, where my wife and I lived for five years, if you had a dollar bill and it was any kind of ripped or marked on, then they wouldn't want to exchange it with you. They always wanted a crisp, clean dollar bill. That's how they wanted it. And so you'd go and you'd take the money that you brought with you from the States and you would go and you'd meet the people and they had wads of cash. It's kind of wild to look at. And you'd go and you'd make an exchange and then you'd walk away with what they had based on the exchange rate. The amazing thing that God has done is this. Think about the exchange and it's so unbelievably, un listen, it's more than we could possibly deserve. He loves us so much more and this is what the gospel says that he allowed his body to be broken, pierced, whipped, nailed so that we might be set free and the gospel teaches us that he traded places with us. He exchanged places. And then his blood was spilled so that anybody who calls on the name of Jesus would be made whole, forgiven, made right. So I want you to think about the exchange that happens when we pause long enough to be still and to know that God is good. The exchange is so unbelievably unfair. It's, it's not like anything we can imagine. It's a simple thought, ready? It's not a fair exchange. We get more than we deserve. You bring God anxiety, God gives you peace. You bring God the sin. Sin. 
Sin is not a pretend issue to God, it's real. And there's two ways of approaching sin. We can have remorse where we feel bad about the things that we've done, but that, that doesn't lead us to change. Or we can actually, the word repent, which means to acknowledge it, to cry out, to say, God, here I am, please forgive me for what I've done. And here's the thing, when you cry out to God, when you call out to God, God instantly says, if you confess your sins, I will forgive you your sins because God is good. And you think, well, God, I don't know if I deserve this. It's not about deserving, it's because God loves you. And God loves you because he is love. And so this God was willing to be broken. This exchange is not fair. You bring God your anxiety, he gives you his peace. You bring God your tiredness, he gives you his strength. This exchange with God is so good that when you're in a moment with God, just for one moment, you can leave completely changed the rest of your life. He is a God who gives you far more than you deserve. Why? Because he loves you so much more than the birds of the air and the flowers that grow in the fields. And why do we miss the exchange? Because we're not still. The enemy has us going so fast and you cannot busy your way into God. Still. And so in a morning like this morning where we get a chance to celebrate communion, do you know what it is? It's a time to remember what Jesus has done for us. The exchange that was made that forever changed history. That when we, when we, when we should have been condemned, we were made free. How much more does God love us? You can't quantify the amount that God loves us, but it's when we're still and when we're calm and when we listen and when we're present, we can recognize God working and moving. There's this song my dad wrote when I was a kid. My dad's a phenomenal musician. Um, my mom is like a, a big time, she loves to sing, and she'll sing like opera. It's kind of embarrassing when I was growing up because my mom would be like in a church and sing really loudly. And I was like, mom, stop, you're embarrassing me. And my, we grew up charismatic churches, so my mom would dance. And we like visit new churches and my mom would get in the aisles and start dancing. And I was like, mom, stop. Can I tell you something though? Now that I'm older, I'm thankful that I had a mom that sang loudly and danced publicly. You know why? Because that's the God that she knew and God, the God that she knows and the God that she loves. But anyway, my dad wrote a song. This is in the, this is late 80s, early 90s called Basate Mi Gracia, which Spanish uh, means my grace is sufficient. Comes from a verse, which you know, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. This verse says this, Paul writing and, he, and, and he's speaking with the Lord and this is what it says. And it said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And my dad took that verse and in Spanish and he wrote a Spanish song. And I was, we're living in the country of Chile in South America and my dad had written this song and at 11, it was just me, only kid, mom and dad, my parents were able to adopt a little girl. And the adoption process went through and the Chileans were interested to see, hey, this is interesting. So the TV news people came out to interview our family about it. And in this TV news interview, my dad's song came to be, and you're gonna watch 11-year-old Jeremy having just received, it's only 47 seconds, I'm not playing the whole clip for you. I wanna bring you into the early 90s to the young ones who have no idea. I want you to see this clip. Let's watch this. Thank you. 
It is in Spanish. miss that hair. <laughs> like legit, that was, those are great days. And then they went on, they interviewed my parents. Actually, I was a, a small clip in there. Let me give you the background of the story of this song. So I was born, and after I was born, when I was born in Bolivia, they damaged my mom in, in my birth so that my mom was unable to have kids after me. This is 1980, Bolivia. And after me, my mom had like, I think 13, 15 surgeries to try and repair and fix. And so couldn't, couldn't have another kid and my mom always wanted to have a girl. And so <clears throat> moved to the country of Chile. Physically, my mom couldn't, <clears throat> excuse me. Physically, my mom couldn't. But the Lord led my parents to adopt. And when my now sister was 15 days old, they called my parents and they said, hey, we have a girl for you. Her name is Maria Teresa. Do you wanna come pick her up and she could be yours? My parents ran over to the adoption place and they grabbed my sister when she was 15 days old and they brought her home. My dad had this song, my grace is sufficient for you in your weakness. And so to the people who watch this video, it's just about an American family adopting a little girl. What, the people, what this video doesn't tell you is the 13 surgeries where my mom couldn't have a kid afterwards. What the video doesn't tell you is the years of longing of, man, Lord, don't you see, don't you care? What the video doesn't tell you is, listen, sometimes when things don't go the way we think that they should, that God still knows about the things that we care about. He loves us, he forgives us, makes a way new, and then all of a sudden, puts you in a place. And my sister, went from Maria Teresa to Hope Havlin. And so this idea that God, your grace is sufficient, that God can be present in the moment, how much more valuable are you than the flowers and the birds? So my dad writes this song, God, your grace is sufficient. And I want you to see it's beautiful. When you are weak, he is strong. That's not a fair exchange. When you are tired, he's enough. When you don't know, he always knows. Why? Because his grace is sufficient. He adopts, he brings in, he does it, but we have to be still. Sometimes we're so worried about being strong enough and it's not, that's not the goal. It's about being still. So I want you to, I want you to bow your heads and I want you to close your eyes. And I want us to be still for a moment. It's not your strength that carries you through. Basta mi gracia means my grace is enough. My grace is sufficient. 
spirit of the living God, I, we invite you into this place. In every area, God, where we are not enough, in every area where we have fallen short, for every sin we have committed, we bring it and we lay it before you. And I'm gonna invite you where you are just to be still, to talk with God. If you need to repent and ask for forgiveness, do that. If you need to be reminded of how good God is, do that. King of kings and Lord of lords, you have forgiven sin, but I also know that there are weights in this room that we cannot lift on our own. There is uncertainty on our minds that cannot be calmed. And we invite you and your spirit in here right now. We ask you to come and to be present. Lord, we will be weak so that you can be strong. Lord, we invite you here in a way we ask you to come to speak to us, to move in us, to change the way we see ourselves. Are we not much more valuable to you than the birds and the flowers? We are much more. And how do we know that we know it? Because of what you have done, your body that was broken and your blood that was shed. And so this communion Sunday where we pause to reflect on what you have done for us, may we be reminded of your goodness for us, that you loved us so much that you gave your life for us. To forgive us, to redeem us, to give us hope. Lord, if we would just look to you, everything else will be taken care of. If we just look to you, everything else you've got, you want us. We invite you here. We thank you. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building his kingdom at therenovation.church.